Chapter 17 of Links in Rebecca's Life by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 17 Trying to Work in Love. Extract from her private diary. June 7th, 18 blank. I have had a curious sort of day. It is a singular thing that days can never correspond with one's planning. One would almost think that making plans was wrong. I have been thinking a good deal about Mrs. Edwards ever since we began to have prayers in the family. She seems to enjoy it, and yet she never looks quite happy and at rest. I don't think she is a growing Christian. It is so strange that she never went to prayer meeting. I decided to ask her this very day if she wouldn't like to go. I thought I would take my work and go and see her again this afternoon, and we would have a quiet little time together, and I would tell her a little about the wonderful verses we are studying this week, and how Frank takes part in the meeting now, and get her interested if I could. I quite looked forward to it. I knew it would be a cross. It is a dreadful trial for me to say anything about religion to her, because she always seems so unsympathetic. But I had got myself to thinking that it was a cross I was willing to bear, and some way I was quite in a hurry to bear it. I even decided that I would take the ruffles for my new dress along for work, and I would plate them in the way she spoke of, though I don't like that way. Well, I didn't have a chance to plate them in that way or any other. I was down in the dining room feeding the bird. I had just come in from Mother's, and she gave me a fresh cabbage leaf for him. Mrs. Edwards came in while I stood there, looking flushed and worried. It isn't usual for me to comment on her moods, but somehow I felt tempted to ask her if anything had happened to annoy her. "'Annoyance enough,' she said. "'I don't know what I am to do. Susan's impudence has been too much for me at last. I wonder that I have endured it so long. I just told her she could go at the end of the week, and the miserable creature flared in an instant and told me she could go at once, and no thanks to me for a warning, so she has actually gone, and the dinner not even under way. And Frank is going to bring home that man from New York who is connected with the bank. This was my exclamation. I'm sure I don't know why I said it. She certainly knew it, so it was not for information. Perhaps it is no wonder that it added to her vexation. "'Of course I am aware of that,' she said testily. "'It doesn't relieve one's perplexity in the least to be reminded of it. "'If there were a decent intelligence office in town I might go out and supply her place, "'but I heard yesterday there wasn't a single applicant worth noticing.' "'To this I made no answer, but kept poking bits of cabbage at the bird "'and watching him bite them off in his spiteful little way, thinking rapidly meantime. "'I knew what I ought to do as well before thinking as I did afterward, "'but it really seemed to me that I couldn't do it.' The day was so perfect, and I wanted to go out that very morning and take Mother to ride. Frank had already left his order at the livery for the horse that I drive. Many a June day as perfect as this have I spent in the hot kitchen getting dinner, and thought not much about it, but it takes such a very little bit of time to get used to a new order of things. It seemed to me for the time being that I knew nothing about kitchens or dinners, and that I could not be expected to do anything in this emergency, but to express dismay and sympathy. As to that, I was not expected to do anything. I knew that Mrs. Edwards often takes occasion to hint at my former kitchen life, and yet at the same time seems to ignore the possibility of my knowing anything about work. She couldn't get a decent dinner herself to save her life, and I knew she thought I couldn't. For about five minutes it seemed to me that I wouldn't. Why should I? We are only boarders. Frank pays his board and mine as regularly as he would if we lived at a hotel, and I have as little to say about anything in the house outside of my own room as if we were strangers to the family. But at last I gave Dickie the last bit and turned away from him. Mrs. Edwards had dropped into the armchair and was fanning herself and looking worried enough to suggest pity for her. "'Never mind,' I said. "'Let her go. There are quite as good to be had, I presume. Though that fact I doubt, for she was really an unusually good girl, but she has several times confided to me the fact that she couldn't stand being interfered with all the time and found fault with whatever she did. I am afraid I sympathized with her. However, I went on with my heroic sentence. "'I can get dinner, 
as good a one as Mr. Romaine gets at a New York boarding house, I dare say. Just install me in the kitchen for the day and see what I can do. Mrs. Edwards bestowed a glance of astonishment on me, not unmingled with dismay. She would rather have had her help come from any other source. There was quite an argument as to the probability of my being able to cook fish and lamb and their numerous side dishes fit to be seen. But when one is without any help at all, and the dinner hour is approaching, and there is to be company, what can one do but accept aid, even if the acceptance is somewhat ungracious? So I went upstairs and wrote a note to Frank to countermand the order at the livery, and got our next neighbor's kitchen boy to carry it to the bank. Then I took off my pretty street dress, just as becoming as it can be, by the way, and trimmed in just the shade of blue that always took Frank's fancy, and got out a last year's calico that is entirely accustomed to kitchen life, and with the addition of a big apron, I looked like Rebecca Harlow again. If Mother had only been down in that roomy, convenient kitchen, and we could have worked together, what a nice time we could have had. Mrs. Edwards was there, looking distressed and perplexed over every single thing that I touched. It was in vain that I assured her that I was perfectly well acquainted with legs of lamb, and that I had cooked as many fishes as there were in the sea, and that the summer Mrs. Demarest of Boston boarded with us, she asked me for the recipe for our fish sauce, because it was the best she ever tasted. She kept saying that she wouldn't have had it happen for fifty dollars, and Frank so very particular about the entertainment of company. Now the truth is that Frank isn't particular at all. He is the most reasonable and patient of men about board. It vexed me to hear her lay the blame of her fretting on his shoulders. With the question of dessert came up new trouble. It so happens that, not having had much time for studying the accomplishments common to girls, I gave much time and fuss to the getting up of especially dainty desserts. During the season we kept those dreadful Boston boarders, I really became an adept at that sort of work. But Mrs. Edwards didn't believe it. She hovered over those eggs and that butter and sugar, and was sure I had too little butter and too much powder, and not the right kind of flavoring. I became almost distracted. Several times my tongue fairly ached to drop the egg-beater and spoon and say, "'Well, now, Mrs. Edwards, if you understand this business better than I do, please attend to it, and I will go and take my ride.' I am so glad I didn't do it. We nearly quarreled over the merits of soda and cream of tartar versus baking powder. Mrs. Edwards is certain that powder is an outgrowth of this degenerate age, says the cake is neither so nice-looking nor so delicate that is made of it, that she always tastes the powder, and that she would never use it if she went without cake. I was really obliged to be firm in that, for I understand the art of making cake with powder, and I don't know how to make it with those other vile articles that must be balanced just so or they make a fuss. Still, I might have got along without saying, so far as that is concerned, I can always tell at the first mouthful whether there is cream of tartar in a cake. I always taste it. Whenever I say anything of that sort, Mrs. Edwards is sure to remind me of my youth. Young people are, and always have been, remarkable for their discernment, she said, very dryly. Their mothers managed to make very palatable cake with the despised stuff before they were born, and long afterward. But as soon as the daughters get so they can stir up a gingerbread, they of course know more than their elders ever did. Now what had that to do with the subject under discussion? I am sure I can't see. The simple truth is that Mrs. Edwards can't even stir up a gingerbread. She knows nothing about cake-making. She has never been obliged to know. And I confess myself unable to see why, because a person has lived sixty years, she should be deferred to by one who has only lived twenty years, on a subject of which she knows nothing, while the other has given six or eight of her twenty years to the learning of that subject. I wanted to tell my respected mother-in-law that such was my opinion, but I forbore, and meekly asked her if Jane, the second girl, could be trusted to set the table, or whether she would rather have me do it. It was over the finishing touches to that table-setting that we had our final discussion. It began about those little imps known as universal salts. I said I never used them without thinking of the remark that Laura Watson once made. She said if she were obliged to use one, she should want her name pasted on the side, that she might have the pleasure of sticking her own knife into the same one every time. 
Mrs. Edwards looked severely dignified over this, and after a minute of ominous silence said, "'I should suppose the knife of any respectable person would not contaminate Laura Watson. I am reminded by her name that you are doing a strange thing in renewing your intimacy with her. She has put herself quite outside the pale of society and should be left there. Now, this is a very sore subject with me. I don't uphold poor Laura, of course, neither does the poor creature uphold herself. If people knew all the truth as I do, they would find her at least as much sinned against as sinning. And yet that is no excuse for her, neither am I in the least intimate with her. I simply do not cross the street to avoid passing her on the sidewalk, nor do I hold my head high and ignore her existence when I have to meet her. How I wanted to tell Mrs. Edwards this, and to remind her of the church covenant which she and Laura have both received. I felt so indignant that I could hardly keep from flinging her elegant napkin-ring, which I was at that moment fitting onto a napkin, on the floor. If I had spoken at all then I should certainly have said something wicked. So I kept still and gave my attention to the napkins. Mrs. Edwards continued, "'If the girl had any sense of propriety left, she would not so force herself on the public and oblige them to see her.' This was too much. "'Why, she only goes to church and to Sunday school,' I said. "'Would you have her stay away from these?' "'I would have her do just as she chooses for all me,' she said coldly. "'Only she must not expect any attention from me, and I could wish that no one who bears my name would allow themselves to be mixed up with her in the least, but each to his taste. How could I help being angry? I burst forth with wrath. Laura's worst sin is in allowing herself to believe, in defiance to those who knew better, that a villain was a gentleman, and allowing her name to be coupled with his.' No one can sorrow for this more bitterly than she does. No one can repent more entirely. Is she never to have friends or society again because she has made one mistake? I am not so unsuspicious as some, Mrs. Edwards said, as if a suspicious nature was a special gift to be duly thankful for. I don't know anything about Laura Watson and don't want to. She may be as innocent as she pretends. I never said she wasn't. But I doubt it for all that, and as I said before, I want to have nothing to do with her. Every word she said made me more angry. I don't know why it was that just then there floated through my mind like a song the wonderful words, I will heal their backsliding, I will love them freely. I said it aloud, in a softened voice, I think. Then I added, It is a blessed thing that the just God is more tender and pitiful than men and women. I thought I had offended her hopelessly, she was so still and so white. At last she said, There is a condition to his love. Yes, there is, I said. It is given in the same connection. Take with you words, and turn unto the Lord. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity, and receive us graciously. And if Laura hasn't done that, it isn't possible to do it. You can't see her heart, she answered almost fiercely. No, ma'am, I said firmly. Only the Lord can see that, and it is only the Lord who has therefore a right to judge her. I certainly never spoke so boldly to Mrs. Edwards before, yet I think my voice was quiet and gentle. It stopped our argument anyway, and that was one comfort. I didn't say another word. Neither did she. I went back to the kitchen and took up the dinner. She followed me and hovered around, but she let me do it in my own way, and only altered the position of the pickle dishes and the gravy boats and the vegetable dishes and a few other trifles after I had arranged them. It was a comfort to me that she had afterward to alter some of them back to their original position, on account of room. My dinner was a real success. Frank ate serenely, and Mrs. Edwards, after the first taste, seemed to lose her anxious face and regain her quiet composure that is so much admired in the fashionable world. She has discovered that at least I can cook a dinner and present it to be eaten in good style. I wonder if she has discovered that I can keep my temper. I have certainly been on the edge of a volcano all day. I am glad it didn't burst. But oh me, how tired I am! 
My head aches tonight and my limbs ache. All the three hundred and sixty-five dinners of the year in my mother's kitchen, I believe, never tired me as this one has. It is a queer thing, but when I look back on the day, it seems as if the repeatal of that Bible verse tired me more than anything else. It was such a strange thing for me to do, to fling a verse from the Bible right into the midst of Mrs. Edwards' salt dishes that she was stamping. I know she felt the unfitness of it. I wonder that she did not tell me so. I suppose her silence was intended to do that. I can't help it. The verse is wonderful, and if she could only know that it kept me from an open explosion of wrath and a complete desertion of that dinner today, perhaps she would respect it. I didn't ask her to go to prayer meeting. How could I when the previous preparation that I had planned had to be given up? I said to myself, she is too tired tonight anyway, and if she weren't I wouldn't ask her, no, not for an interest in a gold mine. Laura Watson goes to prayer meeting regularly. She would think it beneath her to go to the same place. Into the midst of this thought broke Frank's voice. Mother, it is lovely tonight. Wouldn't you like a ride? I am going to get the carriage to take Rebecca to prayer meeting. Suppose you ride with us. Don't you feel like it? How came Frank to say that? His mother looked at him a moment in a bewildered sort of way and said, Well, I don't care. It is pleasant and cool. If you are going to take your own horses and won't drive too fast, I will go. And there was my formidable work that I had planned for all night done without me. I had nothing whatever to do about it in any shape. Well, never mind, she went, and heard her son speak, a blessed little talk on the very verse, too, that I had sent across the room at her. I will love them freely. I couldn't help wondering if she really felt the power of that wonderful love in her heart. Oh, dear me, how weary I am. Frank has gone to a meeting of bank directors, and I am trying to wait for him. I have half a mind to put my ruffles on my new dress in any way that I please, without regard to cross-grained views. I don't feel like making even so much of a concession as that. It is partly the influence of that baking powder, I think. She said she thought she tasted it slightly, though really it was very good. End of chapter 17